Hey everybody, this is Hunter Williams. Today is going to be episode 61 of the NeuroEdge podcast. As always, thank you so much for tuning in today. I know your time is your most valuable asset, and if you are giving that time to me to help improve yourself and help learn better, again, my sincerest thanks. The name of today's episode is What is Hormesis and My Top 6 Methods? And you're going to notice a lot of what I talked about today are probably things that I have talked about in other episodes and previous podcasts. However, I want to tie them under the theme of hormesis and explain how important this idea of hormesis is to our body. And the reason I want to do it is it came up in a couple of books I have been reading lately. And it's always something that I think about and just something that in the course of my life in the last couple of weeks I have noticed is really important that we stress to our bodies, particularly in the modern environment that we live in. Some, I think a lot of people think of hormesis as something that is new and novel when in reality it's actually just a return to more of a way that we should have been living or have been living for thousands of years and in the last probably 50 to 100 years our modern society has gotten away from. So I think it's really important to understand the world that we live in today is not really necessarily the type of world that our bodies were designed to be in. And not in every sense of the word, but if you look at thousands and thousands of years of human existence, they were not necessarily in big cities. And even though we've had big cities for the last few thousand years, they were not in the type of technological environment that we live in. So it's not good, it's not bad, but it's just something that you wanna be cognizant of. And what's really important is that we have these different factors of hormesis, because in my opinion, modernity is actually killing our industrialized world in the first world from the inside out. And that's my opinion because there's so much that has changed in the way that we live our lives and everything that we have to be conscious of things that we are not doing that ancestral humans would have done on an extremely regular basis. So before I jump into talking about what hormesis is and then my top six methods, as always, if you would like to join a community of like-minded people that are looking to take their health to the next level, looking to take their life performance to the next level, looking to take their mindset to the next level, join my Facebook community. I'm really working on gathering a group of people that want to be in a community of others and support each other on their journey in becoming the highest performing, healthiest version of themselves. So don't forget to check that out in the description of all that stuff. And as always, I'm going to do a shameless plug. But anyway, let's get into it. So hormesis... At its root definition, so I want to define hormesis and I want to say it properly, so I took some notes. Um, basically, we can think of hormesis as what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So think of hormesis as the natural stressors that we would have to our body that actually breaks down our body in a way and helps repair and even come back stronger. So when we stress our body, there's a disruption of homeostasis. And this is our body's state of equilibrium, us just being in a completely normal state. When we stress our body, we're throwing that equilibrium off and we're getting off balance, so to speak. So we're actually designed to handle minor and occasional stress. So our bodies are not meant to have it easy all the time. As much as our modern life has tried to optimize for that, we are not actually 
at least if we're trying to be the healthiest version of ourselves, we're not actually meant to have everything completely easy all the time. And I know that sounds like something your grandpa may have told you or something like that, but it's actually true down to the root of our actual health. And we actually thrive when we get occasional stress or toxin exposure, which seems counterintuitive, but it's our body's response to these minor stressors that help us repair and actually live longer, live healthier, and have a more abundant, but also just more uh, fulfilling life where our body is healthy. So these minor stressors in tiny doses can actually help us become stronger version of ourselves. And again, I know that may seem a little counterintuitive, or maybe you've heard that your whole life, but it is highly important that we experience these. So um, over time, we can use this type of stress response, and I'm going to get into the methods a little bit later, but we can use hormesis to build an adaptive stress response where we benefit from stress. Take, for example, exercise where you damage your muscles. Um, you're, you're not going to have muscles if you don't damage them because your body comes back stronger, and that's why it's so important to lift weights. Um, same thing with your brain. Our brain needs challenges, so your brain can atrophy if you're not pushing yourself to be creative, if you're not pushing yourself to solve problems, if you're not pushing yourself to get better. If you don't use it, you lose it. And I actually just read this book, and this is really why I want to do this episode, and it's by a philosopher slash economist, and you know, that's my, I have a passion for finance and economics, but his name is Nicholas, Nicholas Nassim Taleb, and he wrote a book called The Black Swan. He also wrote a book that I just read called Anti-Fragile. And it's this idea that if you don't use your body to do something, you're actually losing it. And what happens is people come, become so dependent on things outside of themselves to take care of them that they actually can't ba bounce back from negative things. And part of what he talks about in becoming anti-fragile is developing this resilience and this ability to bounce back even stronger when things don't go in your way, and particularly on the economic side of things, but it's just as important when it comes to health. Um, but same thing when we don't, kind of going back to our brain, when we're not developing challenges, when we're not being creative, we're not building new connections in our brain cells that become sharper, which over time help us into old age to actually grow throughout our whole life rather than just simply atrophying over time. Um, there's a guy named Scott Carney, and he actually talks about this in your brain. Um, just took some notes that one quote from him is he says, sensation comes in and it's more or less meaningless. When your brain automatically does that with information, that determines your body's response. So it might change your heart rate, it might change your thermoregulation, it might change your immunopathways, and something like that that's just hardwired into your, but it still doesn't have any meaning. So you can see over time, if we're getting the same inputs and we're not getting any different results, we can have atrophy over time where we're not developing our muscles, we're not developing our brain in a way that actually doesn't benefit us long-term. It may seem like the easy thing to do because you're not facing challenges in the short-term, but it can cause long-term problems and inhibit a lot of growth over the long-term. And what I wanted to talk about too, just as an aside from my personal opinion from this stuff, you see in our modern society, everything has become really easy. And I don't really, I don't mean easy in the sense that it's easy to go make a million dollars or it's easy to go out and become the richest person in the world. But I mean easy in the sense of physically easy. So we have pretty much, if you live in America, if you live in the first world, even if you are on the bottom end of the economic spectrum, we have it so much better than even people did a hundred years ago. We have more access to information. 
we may not have to do as much physical labor, although a lot of people still work in physical labor jobs. For the most part, we don't have to do that. We have food at every source. There's food for breakfast, lunch, and dinner all the time. There's food everywhere around. And again, this isn't specific to everyone in the world, but particularly if you live in the United States or an industrialized country. So we have it easy in the sense that hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, a lot of our industry would be focused on finding food for the day or working to take care of our family and just provide the bare resources needed for our family. Well, in today's society, it's not so much. We still have to work a lot and it's still kind of tough to find economic resources for a lot of people. However, we may get sidetracked into it. It gets pushed into something like sitting at a desk and dealing with emails and dealing with notifications, which is kind of a mismatch in our body's natural biology because we're used to having to have physical stressors that make our body respond in a way where we actually learn and grow from those experiences. So, especially, this is my opinion among my generation of millennials and younger people, we almost have it too easy. And again, not too easy in the sense of structure-wise within our society to advance, but too easy in the sense of physicality and being pushed to do things. I believe it's extremely important that whether you're someone that is the most elite athlete on the planet and you're looking to become better, or you're someone that works in knowledge work, some type of information work, and you just want to make sure that you're healthy so that you can do your work at the highest level. If you are not putting your body physically under stress and a stress in a good way where you're getting minor stressors, you're not going to be the healthiest version of yourself and probably other areas of your life are going to suffer. And again, that is not the easy thing to say that, man, I probably need to put myself under more stress because a lot of people, especially right now, are just stressed out about finances, their job, or whatever. However, I think in order to combat that, even in a more efficient manner, it's important that you use these physical stressors of hormesis to make your body better. And basically, hormesis can be defined as anything that is putting your body under stress. And I wanted to talk about two things that actually cause hormesis in your body that is bad, point blank, period. So there can be good forms of hormesis, and that's what I want to talk about, but I did want to talk about two things that are bad forms of hormesis, and they are alcohol and gluten. And I think a lot of problems that people may experience can be traced back to a lot of these things, and I am not here to preach, to tell anybody how to live. I just want to demonstrate to you different methods that cause hormesis to your body, so they cause an inflammatory response or something like that, that actually are not good. And one is alcohol. And what it does is it actually damages your mitochondria and causes inflammation in your gut. And if you have listened to me talk about anything, your stomach health is one of the most important things that you can take care of. So the downsides are greater than the upsides when it comes to alcohol. Same thing with gluten. This is a non-beneficial stressor. So this stresses our gut, particularly because a lot of gluten is coated with glyphosate and pesticides. And it can trigger an inflammatory response and damaging T-cell response that is going to outweigh any benefit from hormesis. So there is a plethora of other different things out there, especially things in our environment that do cause hormesis, but in a bad way because it doesn't allow our body to recover or it's more than that threshold. So kind of think about hormesis as there's this threshold that you can push yourself to and certain things can push you to that threshold and your body actually bounces back stronger and then certain things can actually push you past that threshold and your body doesn't recover and it does more long-term damage than it does good. And you'll see in this, the examples I'm going to talk about, if you take some of these examples to the extreme past that threshold, it can also be damaging. So to get into the methods, what are some methods that can actually help your hormesis? Well, obviously the first one is going to be exercise. 
I talk about exercise all the time. You can get it. You can get into a bunch of different types of exercise. What's the best exercise? What's not the best exercise? However, we know that movement is important and is going to be one of the most important forms of hormesis that you can stress your body with where you actually come back stronger. So if you looked at your muscle fibers under a microscope after you did a really tough workout, you would see chaos. They would be torn, inflamed, sore, broken, and weak. If you didn't know better and you were just looking under that microscope, you would think that you should never exercise again. However, what happens is when our body recovers, our muscles actually come back stronger, more defined, more tone, and more dense, which actually helps us to live a longer life. And what happens is when you do exercise, of course, your body releases an anti-inflammatory compounds throughout your body that helps you recover better. Um, and also just in terms of exercise, one of the best forms you can do, and I've talked about this before, is high intensity interval training. And because that really pushes you for a short amount of time in a very, very stressful way, it helps uh, your body become more efficient at dealing with this stress, which also increases your energy production and slows down aging at the cellular level. Um, and I mean, there's a bunch of different types of high intensity training that you can do, but uh, if you're pushing yourself to where, I, I think of high intensity as where you're pushing yourself to where it is really uncomfortable and you don't wanna do it. So if you go for a jog, pretty much the whole jog, you're not gonna feel a state of real uncomfort, un, uncomfortability. You're not gonna be, you might be breathing a little heavy, you might be sweating, but it's not gonna to be too tough. But in high intensity training, you're forcing yourself to be in an environment where it's really tough for brief periods of time and what can happen when your body does that is it becomes so much stronger long-term is again gonna help prevent aging down to the cellular level. The next one, and I won't go too much into exercise just because I talk about that all the time, but um, it's going to be really important. And from the threshold standpoint, you obviously don't wanna make, you wanna make sure that you're not exercising too often because that can be dangerous too. And it's something that I've done having been an athlete in my life that you can push your body too much. However, what happens is you want to kind of in minimal increments start to build up your threshold. So maybe you don't exercise at all and you're pushing yourself a little bit and you get a little bit better and a little bit better every time. And that's what's great about exercises because you can see the progress over time. But what it does at its roots level, it is actually tearing down our body. But we need that, that tearing down to help us recover and help us be the healthiest version of ourselves. And you can see, as opposed to some of the negative stressors or negative methods of hormesis like gluten or alcohol, exercise can actually help us build up tolerance and we get better. And in the long term, our body stays in motion and we keep mobility even into old age. So the next one, and I harp on this all the time too, but it is practice intermittent fasting. And basically fasting, and people will say, well, I fast for 12 hours. In my opinion, that's not really fasting because you're not giving your stomach enough time to heal and you're not actually getting into a state where you're in ketosis and your body is really cleansing itself. Part of the problem with modern society and for the last hundred years because food companies needed people to sell stuff to is we got convinced that we need breakfast, we need lunch, we need dinner, and we need snacks in between everything we need to eat six meals a day. Well, unfortunately, and this is my opinion, you might find other people that disagree, especially in the health and fitness community, I really think that your body needs time to not have food in it in order to heal your cells, to regenerate new cells, to recover, and to engage in autophagy. And one of the best ways you can do this is through intermittent fasting. So this is another hormetic stressor. So it makes sense from an evolutionary standpoint as well, because if you think about it, our ancestors 
when you're in the woods, when you're out in the jungle, when you're on desert plains, wherever you are, you don't have five to six meals readily accessible throughout the day. You spend energy looking for food, you find food, you feast, and then you go back and you rest and then you do it again. So our ancestors probably much more, it's very obvious that they had much more spaced apart meals and our body actually responds better to this. So just to go through a little bit of the benefits of fasting in case you haven't seen any other episodes. One, it helps you live longer. It helps your cells become more resistant to oxidative damage, which is oxidative damage, which is particularly important in this day and age because there is so much oxidation stress from different, whether it's electromagnetic frequencies in the air, different toxins in the environments, there's a ton of oxidative stress out there. It also improves your, it, it protects your brain cells and improves cognitive function. I definitely, as someone that regularly fasts, notice this, some of my most creative work is done while I'm fasting. And it's because your body doesn't have to direct energy into digesting food and you can focus more on creative pursuits. It also helps burn fat because again, you burn through your glucose stores and you're going to be in a state of ketosis where you're burning fat. And the ideal window for fasting, again, is going to be closer to that 16-hour mark to 48 hours. If you can do fasting between those windows, that's when you're really going to start to get some of the benefits kicking. You're going to start to see the growth hormone effect and increase that you'll get from that. So other than if you're less than 16 hours, is it better than eating in a, you know, doing a 10-hour fast? Yeah, sure, but you're really not going to get the benefits at a cellular level unless you're going 16 hours. And I know it's going to be different for men than women. Men are, or men are much more adapted or easier adapted to get to the 20, 21 hour mark. Whereas women might find it tough to be, you know, like 15, 16 hours. But if you can get to that 16 hour, that's kind of the critical mass standpoint where our body gets stressed enough and we're hungry enough that some of these mechanisms start to kick in and we actually are able to start to heal ourselves. And I think in the next 10 years, obviously fasting is pretty big in the ether right now, but the next 10 years, we're probably going to see a huge boost in the amount of people that talk about fasting and see the benefits from it. Moving on to number three, this is going to be extreme temperatures. So whether that is extreme hot or extreme cold, it is very important for our body to be forced into these extremes. Particularly if you can go back to back with them, that's something I've experienced, experimented with and have had a really good success, especially from a fat burning standpoint and a mental cognition standpoint is going into a sauna or right now it's summertime so you can go outside and it's really hot and work yourself into a sweat and then going into something really cold like a cold shower or ideally if you have it, cryotherapy or something like that. So this change in between these two temperatures stresses our body and again, this is up to that threshold point because if you went in the sauna for eight hours, you would probably fry and not make it out alive. However, if you go in for a brief amount of time and then can shock your body, it really helps. And took some notes just so I'm specific on this. Uh, the secret to extreme temperature benefits lies in shock proteins. So your body produces these special proteins uh, named cold shock proteins and heat shock proteins in response to sudden extreme changes in temperature. And what these do is reverse damage from um, the sudden change in temperature. So when our body gets damaged from that, the shock proteins help reverse this damage. But in addition to that, they also help protect our cells and trigger full body repair. Um, for example, cold exposure makes our cells produce antioxidants throughout our whole body. And this protects our body from inflammation and damage. And if you are ever someone that has used that uh, in conjunction with exercise, you know it definitely helps with inflammation. Um, and then as far as heat goes, if you can get to a sauna, I'm kind of bummed out right now because the sauna that I normally go to 
is closed. And if you can use an infrared sauna, because a lot of other saunas will have a high EMF exposure, and the infrared doesn't have that. Um, but uh, and the infrared sauna can kind of get deeper to a cellular level where it's cleansing and purging toxins. So probably not the most comfortable thing, and especially if you're someone, depending if you're hot nature or cold nature, that you don't want to do. But I can tell you for a fact, you make yourself really hot, you make yourself really cold. The benefits are numerous, and they're not just for your body, they're for your brain as well. Number four, and this is going to be not so much on the technical health side of things, this is going to be more of a mental thing, and it's facing adversity. And I think this is something, kind of like I hinted at at the beginning of the episode, that we just don't have enough of in our life today. And that could be through circumstantial things, it could be through economic things, it could be through whatever, but if you force yourself to have your back against the wall, and things, your body actually responds better. And this is something going through sports, even though sports is more of a simulated adversity, it puts you in situations that are difficult where your, your brain and your body have to cope and find a new way to solve problems and go through things. And I think that's really important that wherever stage you are in your life where you're super wealthy or you're just starting out to try to build a business or you're working a job and you're trying to work your way up, wherever you are or whatever you're trying to do, it's important that we have adversity against us because that, it makes us stronger. And if you don't feel like you have enough adversity in your life, you definitely don't. But if you feel like you're not making progress, it's probably because you don't have enough adversity. And I don't say this to tell people that they're not in a tough situation or anything like that. But when we are in tough situations where our back is against the wall, we tend to bounce back stronger. And if we can push through that, and this is something that I noticed, especially on the journey as an entrepreneur, when you can push through that, you become so much better. You develop a skill set that no one else can take away from you. So I think that's really important. Whatever you're doing, it, and again, I'm not here to say that people aren't experiencing tough times, but when you can actually force yourself to have to go through things and be in control of that adversity, the mental fortitude and toughness you develop is so much better and it's going to be so much better than a lot of other people experience. Again, because it's my opinion that a lot of modern life has become too easy and it's too easy for us to find food and all these things. So we have to have areas of our life where we are facing adversity because that's important for us to grow. Uh, number five is going to be oxygen deprivation. And this is something I've been working on lately is doing a lot of breath work and breathing exercises. But when we, when we deprive our oxygen, and this is called, also called hypoxia, um, it upgrades our mitochondria, and all we have to do is use our breath. And you can do this with a lot of breath work, breath work techniques where you're holding your breath. But when we do that, our body actually responds. And it's, again, back to the hormesis of when it's a little bit of a stressor, our body responds better, and we get such a better anti-inflammatory response and response to our environment that we're able to come back stronger. And there's a bunch of different methods you can try. You can look up Wim Hof breathing method and all that stuff. He has a great example of how to use it and kind of deprive your brain of oxygen where you get this flood. When you're done, you get this flood of neurotransmitters that just makes you feel so much better. And the last one, number six, is going to be sun exposure. And this is something that gets debated a lot because a lot of people will say that sun exposure is bad, you don't want to be in the sun. It is actually very important that we get exposed to the sun. UV rays, not only from a circadian rhythm standpoint, but from a vitamin D standpoint, that we're producing enough vitamin D and synthesizing that when we get it from sunlight. So it's extremely important we get sun, sun exposure. I think more or less people are transitioning to understand that. There's still a lot of people that fear things like skin cancer and whatnot, and that's actually probably because there's higher incidence of skin cancer and there's 
going to be studies probably that come out in the future to prove this. But if you look at what's going on, it's probably because we are not as exposed to the sun. Whereas our ancestors were in the sun eight to 10 hours a day, they built up a base layer where their body had protection against the sun. And over time, that protected them. Whereas if you look at a lot of the sun exposure people getting now, it's interspersed maybe one to two hours a day and the rest of the time is inside. And so our body doesn't have a chance to build up again that threshold as a response to the sun exposure. But um, it, in the right dose, it actually makes our cells stronger and helps pre prevent them from cancer. So again, it's all about that right dose and building up the right tolerance. Um, again, like I said, vitamin D is really important. And depending on how much melanin you have in your skin, you may need varying different levels of sunlight. Um, but again, that's going to be one of the last ones that I think is really important. And don't take that for granted. And um, a lot of people, when they do go in the sun, they'll put toxic sunscreen on them, which is a different topic for a different day. But I want to make sure that you know that sunlight is important and especially over your whole body. And think about it when you go to the beach, if you go to the beach for an extended period of time, sometimes you can build up a base layer tan where you don't need as much, as much sunscreen. And again, that's going to probably depend on your complexion as well. But anyway, that was the final one to wrap it up. So again, that is what hormesis is. Basically think of it as what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And it's important that we incorporate that into our lives on a regular basis. I gave you some methods today that you can go out and apply immediately. And whatever you do, just make sure that you are actually stressing yourself and I know people are really stressed right now, but think about it as more of the physical type stressors that we can actually use to improve our brain and improve our body so that we do, when we do go through tougher times or whatever it is, maybe we're stronger, we're better equipped to, a, to go through that and we have a threshold that we're building up against and that we can used to overcome whatever type of adversity that we may go through in our lives. So again, if you stay tuned for this whole episode, thank you so much for tuning in. Let me know if you haven't tried any of these methods, but you end up trying them, if you have a good experience with them or not, or if you've tried them and noticed how they have benefited your life, let me know. And again, if this content resonates with you in any sort of way, please share it. It helps get the message out and helps spread uh, the, the wisdom and knowledge that we need to make ourselves healthier, make the planet a better place because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. So thanks again and I will talk to you guys soon. Peace.